I'm, wait, 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 wait. Lauren Hill is coming. Lauren Hill is coming, but Lauren Hill is performing on the same day as Shaka Khan wow. at the same festival. So in my mind, I'm thinking, what is the festival going to do? Are they going to put Lauren Hill second? Or are they going to put Shaka Khan second? Well, they might not even be on the same stage. Pitch, pitchfork is kind of big, ain't it? It is. It is. But, you know, splitting the difference between it's like uh, times I've gone there, like I've seen Kendrick there, I've seen like Snoop there. And anytime they have a big person like Shaka, like Lauren Hill, like Snoop, they always are like, everybody else needs to end 15 minutes before Snoop goes on. Oh, God. Gotcha. And we're just going to focus on Snoop. So we get fo- Okay. Yes. So yeah. I guess that would be kind of weird to have like Jay Z and Beyonce there on two separate stages. Exactly. And now you got to go like, <laughs> Well, I'm going to go listen to two songs from B and then For go real. here and listen to... <laughs> Who are you loyal to? That's right. Yes. Right. Where's your loyalty? Well, yes. if Kendrick there, you got to see Kendrick. Oh, absolutely. He made the song. Yes. <laughs> For real. For real. That's funny. Hey, y'all. It is your girl, Kelly Howard, and we here on Kelly Talks. Um, I am not with Ty this week. I know for the last couple of weeks you guys have been hearing me with Ty on. And I'm going to be just honest with y'all because I love my listeners. I feel like y'all are dope as fuck. I'm figuring this out. I really don't know what this is. (laughs) I don't know what this podcast is. I am figuring it out. I am trying to bring you interesting stories and content from creators that have been through journeys that are abnormal, that seem like they've overcome people with grit, people with the sustainability to go through all the shit that happens not only in life but in this industry so that is what I've been trying to do but I also want to be able to reach a broader audience and talk about more relevant things so it's it's some transition to happen over here is what I'm trying to tell y'all so stick in there with me I'm your girl I'm still gonna keep being me and that's one thing that'll be consistent so let's hope um I figure out something uh, soon or maybe not maybe this is just what it'll be like whatever i want to bring to y'all every week you just listen because you love me uh so yeah anywho that voice you guys were hearing was max thomas he is a comedian yes. from chicago here improv artist second city yes uh he also is with preach yes which is a dope ass improv troupe that yes. do a weekly show is it weekly anymore weekly or? yeah we uh our old run was at playground theater our new run is going to be starting may 4th at io improv olympic off north avenue in kingsbury nice. 8 p.m every friday may 4th that's a nice move yes yes wow, and you should get a better audience just because of the location oh well, we were we were packing out the audience we were packing out the crowded playground but that's only like 60 seats and we'd mm-hmm. have to put more seats on the stage yeah. so now it would just be same deal just packing out that space and uh How we're many uh over 150 okay and we are the first all group of color to have a prime time slot in that main stage theater on a uh for a weekly show well they had but theirs was like uh i think that they, their show was like that that was that was a Monday show. I don't think I don't know if three Pete ever did it on Friday night. Oh, you mean like that weekend slot? Exactly, like having exactly. that slot where usually it's like the older, like all white teams that are like the you know like the the stuff that's been around for twenty years or whatever that's just been passed down and passed down and passed down. Right. You know what I'm saying? And our whole thing, as you already know, is specifically for putting up folks of color, queer folks, uh, uh, non-able body folks. Like it's it's yeah. it's it's really a a thing about like putting up people on stage that that uh creating a safe space for folks that you know otherwise they they just feel you know um uncomfortable in in majority of these places that are mostly like you know cisgender white men um center places you have a cause that is just so beautiful to me yes that is that's amazing i was just arguing with my husband about 
being an inactivist. I was like, I'm not, I'm not an activist. I'm an inactivist. Like, yes. I have things that I prefer to care about, and most of them is not socially driven. <laughs> so, because <laughs> we were talking about that Starbucks thing. You heard what happened yes. with you guys at Starbucks. Yes. So, give me your take on that, because he told me if I was talking to a black person, I would feel differently about it. So, I want to hear your take on uh, this, and I'm going to see if I feel differently about it. Well, I've just been reading a little bit about it, and I, I mean, I do believe that, See, the thing is, is like we're in this time where it's crazy because I feel like 20 years ago, they would have never shut down Starbucks or any place to have like a talk or have this whole workshop. Stores or something like that? Yes. And you know what that is also. It's this time where it's like those hot button words, diversity, inclusion, all that stuff. So you have these people that own these companies are like, oh, even if I'm racist at the top or even if I don't care about about the people that are being kicked out, I am going to say this is a good PR move. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? This is really a dope-ass move for me to say, ooh, black people, I'm on your side because I took a day. I took a moment of silence. I'm going to lose this money, and that's cool, but that's better than me paying out a suit for being a (laughs) racist-ass company at some point for other stuff. Yes. That makes sense. Totally. That that was, And it is a PR move at the end of the day, but what is your other take, though, on the actual incident itself? Not what they're doing as far as shutting down stores, but Mm -hmm. how do you feel about those two guys that got, like, what is your take on the situation? Oh, my my whole take on it, I mean, from what they said, that there was a black woman that was like a, I think she was a supervisor there, and her white, white woman that was her manager was the one that was, like, pushing, like, called the police and everything like that. But the black woman said that uh, her manager, this was a constant thing, where anybody that was not... Uh, white coming in there she instantly felt uncomfortable wow. and felt like you need to watch them and you need to pay attention to their to their movements and stuff like that and that was that was like normal practice it's just like uh, a lesser known thing is oh my god can I remember her name I posted on my Facebook her name is like it's it, this black woman is a doctor and she's she's Chicago uh, based but she went to Water Tower uh, place uh, what was that two months ago and the police the water you know water tower has police in there so their police uh escorted out or kicked out like five or six black teenagers and the reason why they say they're kicking them out is because they were loitering they were just walking through and weren't buying anything they weren't as they said as water tower put it they weren't participating in the buying process or of the uh uh you know yeah the buying process uh that usually goes on in a mall Right. But what that woman did, she spoke out, just like this black supervisor is doing at Starbucks. It's like they're seeing this thing that that we kind of become numb to. Yeah. Because even as black people, sometimes you'll see young black men being pulled over by the police on the street. And you're not saying to yourself, ooh, if you're not saying to yourself, hold on, let me let me slow up a little bit and see if this is going to escalate to a place where, like, if they're being thrown around or if there's there's foul play in some kind of way or there's or like what is going on because usually whenever i'm in my neighborhood like i'm on the south side when i'm in my neighborhood if i'm driving around i'm not instantly thinking oh they did this or they did that i'm thinking what are these police pulling them over for right you know what i mean what is really going on here but i think that too many times even in our own communities we become numb to it and we don't say anything we don't call anybody about it we don't protest about it we don't uh we continue to call the police you know even on next door neighbor or people in our in our community we should just be talking to Right. You know what I'm saying? You can't be like, I'm about to call the police on my neighbor's son, and you don't know your neighbor's son. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, what what is wrong with you? Like, why don't you just get to know these people there in your community and help de-escalate these situations? You know what I mean? Yeah, from a community standpoint, I agree. Uh, with the Starbucks situation, people are, the, like, boycotting Starbucks. Yes. Right? They're like, no, don't use Starbucks. Don't you? And I get that. I get that from a, from a corporate standpoint. You have to hold them to some type of uh, standard. Yes. 
But at the same time, like, cause I was like, so the question came up because I was walking into my office space yesterday mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm trying to get to the coffee machine. I was talking to a guy. He was like, why are you rushing so fast? I said, because you know, they stopped serving coffee here at 12 and it was 1240. Oh, okay. Right. So I was like, if ain't no coffee in there, I'm going to Starbucks. Ooh. And he's like the only other black guy in there too. So he was like. So you going to Starbucks? You not boycotting? And I said, dude, I said, I'm not about that. Not only do I got a free drink on my Starbucks card, I was like, but I just reloaded my card for $20. Yes. I was like, I'm not boycotting Starbucks because these two guys got arrested for not purchasing anything. And I said mm-hmm. the same thing. I said they were technically loitering. Mm-hmm. And I made that argument. And then it became this debate. And I went home and talked to my husband about it. And then he was like, well, would you say that if it was two white boys in there? I said, maybe not like naturally. I'm not even going to lie. I wouldn't sit there and say, oh, are they loitering? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if they sit in there and they ain't buying shit and, and a manager were to approach two white guys or mm-hmm. two black guys or whoever it is, it's the same argument. You're loitering. Now, the difference is because these guys were black, they probably were, like you said, paid attention to as soon as they walked in Absolutely. the store. Like, what are they doing in here? Absolutely. What are they going to buy? Yes. You know, but at the end of the day, loitering is a thing and people mm-hmm. do it. And if you don't purchase from a facility... That says you must purchase something and mm-hmm. you can't even use their restrooms unless you purchase something. S- some places. Some, some places. Because, I mean, even as you see it like Second City, you there late enough, you'll see all homeless folks. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. For the most part. Yeah. And I know that's separate like for that. that that's you know. completely different. But I'm saying like businesses that are set up for income. Not of course. institutions that are schools. Second City is a school. True. Yeah. Too. You know, so it's an institution. These places, Starbucks is a store. That's how they profit is from you purchasing. Of course. And so if you come into their facility and you're not buying anything. But you see a lot of people that open up their laptops and come in there and they don't buy anything. And Starbucks takes that as long as I see a computer, as long as I see some kind of like, um, if I'm a college student, I walk in with my textbook, they see that open. They might think to themselves, oh, okay, this college kid probably will buy something during this time. At some point. But at the same time, that's still, in my mind, I feel like that's that's kind of a lot that's like a lot of thought process i got to go through to then say oh this person is not a threat to whatever's going on in here because in my mind i feel like police is far compared to yeah, a manager that I, that, stepping that up say, you know what i mean that part i do think was an extreme i think it was an extreme totally. for her to call the police but with that still being said then that manager probably needs to be let go exactly that manager totally. is the problem totally. starbucks as a corporation is not the problem no that i agree manager with you manager is the problem because there's probably also privately owned like uh franchises or whatever there are right? franchises starbucks. yeah and that's my like i felt like and i get it you know i get it that we got to stand up and 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 speak our truth because if not we will be continued to be treated like second class citizens yes i completely understand that but at the same time i feel like some things are over exaggerated Without people having the proper knowledge, without people really reading the story and getting the, you know, the, the inside of what is, they look at the headline and then they just start boycotting and they start going off and posting shit on Instagram because they've read a headline. They don't even know exactly. the story and they read the headline or they get it via the news. You're right. And the news is going to give you a biased opinion based on what news station it is. You're so absolutely right. So if you're right. watching that and then you're reading the headline and you've come up with this this 
understanding of what the story is based on other people's opinions too mm-hmm. because you listen to what other people are saying and then you yes. co- you collaborate that with what you think and you come up with this bullshit ass group thing group mind yeah yes. it's seriously it's not even like and the more that I research other things not even specific situations but I research other things in depth mm-hmm. I think about how shallow minded I went into that thing not knowing mm-hmm. much about it and then once I read more about it whether it's a culture or um, a psychological finding yeah. anything I'd be like, damn, that's different from what I thought it was. Think about old girl that got found in a freezer. Oh, yes. Think about that situation and what happened with that. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like that was not what people thought it was. No. You see no. what I'm saying? It, it turned out to be completely opposite. And and we attacked that place. We attacked them. We did. You we see, did. and you get think about yes. that. It's like a lot of. It's like we we have this fight or flight mentality now, where we True. automatically go to fight. It's reactionary. Absolutely, you know what I'm it's so reactionary. Absolutely. And it's like, when are we gonna stop and think? And I think that if we stop and think, more of us will have the ability to think for ourselves and make totally. executive decisions for ourselves, which in turn will lead us to to make better decisions in life and do things differently. I agree. Anyway, just from taking the time to think, we don't. I don't, I'm not, boy, I got a free Starbucks thing is what <laughs> yes. I'm saying. What I'm saying yes. is I got a free Starbucks No, I agree. And I, I just you. reloaded my card. I, I hear you on that. I'm not boycotting Starbucks. I totally hear you on that. It's different with these one, with these mom and pop or like that one place or, or just you said like one institution or something. But like when it's something where it could be privately franchised or you can, hey, I mean, it's Starbucks that are owned by black people. Magic Johnson owns multiple he Starbucks. Does. He so, does. So things like, you're, you're absolutely right about that. There's Starbucks so you, you go to. you call his place racist? <laughs> yeah. They all racist, Starbucks? Exactly. Like I saw a post on Dion Cole and Dion, I love you to death. He, uh, I saw a post on Dion Cole's page where he reposted from Red Grant, I think, that said, uh, the only thing black at Starbucks is the coffee. And I'm like, no, I've seen so many no. black employees at exactly. different Starbucks. If you go to the Starbucks on 71st and Stony Drive. Talk about it. It's all black people. It's, all, it's not even white The whitest thing. Exactly. It is all black The whitest people. thing in there is Splendor. You're right. You, you feel me? You're it's right. all black people. So you're going to tell me that the the people that go in there, and it's a community in there, the, la- the music be loud as fuck. Yes. They be dancing. People yes. be talking. Like, it is a community. And so I people, remember when it first opened up, like having like uh, things for the community for chess and for yes. various things and meetings can go on chess, there. Chess, it's a you're lot right. of people that go in there and play chess. Yes. So you're going to tell me that this facility needs to shut down or this facility should be judged and people should stop going there and not spending money with them. You're right. Because you're and right. We, we don't even know who owned that. That could be a black owned. Starbucks. Oh, it is a black owned Starbucks. I think that's one of the ones that is owned by Magic Johnson. You see what it's I'm crazy. saying? No, but you're right. You're absolutely right because then those people have to, I mean, they'll probably get paid for the same day, but I mean, at the same time, like, you're all black employees and y'all got to have a, a whatchamacallit, dis- discrimination talk, a diversity talk, or exactly. whatever it is. Yeah. No, I to understand. To teach y'all how to treat y'all selves. Exactly. Like, exactly. You know I mean? like, no, I you're feel totally like right. We need to do way more exploration we do. into things before we jump on the bandwagon we of do. the repost, the feeling like I got to repost this because this somehow makes me an activist. And, own, I, and own our own stuff. And own, own our, our own stuff. Coffee shops. Sure. Yeah. If you don't want exactly. it, you know, for real. Open your own shit then. Exactly. That's the case. Like, stop. It's so much talk going on. It's so much talk. It is. And so it much is. repost and social media awareness. And it changes every day. It, oh, my God. It's so much of that happening, and it's no real action. No. Like, behavioral action. Like, Absolutely. what can I do Absolutely. to change this scenario in my yes. Like, for me... What could I do? And this may be looked at as a very small thing. I knew that I could provide for my daughters a better life than I had. 
That's not that's not a small thing. That's a huge. That's thing. what I could do. That's I could a huge I can make thing. sure they are not raised in the hood under the same conditions that I was raised under, under the yes. same confusion and insecurity and doubt and you know Absolutely. that same fear that I was raised in. I made sure that these two little girls I have at home were raised with confidence right and on. love that's and the right reassurance. Way to do it. That that's what I can do. Yes, that's my activism. Yes, <laughs> you know what I mean. Absolutely, Aside absolutely. From that, and it should start. It should start. At home, or it should start with yourself, or with you know, mm-hmm. your sur- with who, with right in front of you, opposed to saying I'm about to go out here and I'm about to lead the people, and you got half a mind. You're right yes. about that. You're absolutely right about that. I believe that people like uh, all the people that we're standing on the shoulders of, the Dr. Kings, Rosa Parks, and all that stuff. They had to shoot. Okay, a per- example of Dr. King, him being assassinated 39. That means in his 20s, he had to understand, have an understanding, be grounded in who the hell he is, mm-hmm. and what he wants for his children, what he sees, the future for his family, for all that stuff, and push aside any of that ego of I want to be a scholar or I want people to look at me and say he's the smartest black, whatever. Whatever could have happened, like coming out of college of like I want to write this and I want to do that. And he literally had to say, I know who I am. I'm secure in who I am. Now let me help my people. Let me help guide my people. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But there's plenty of other people that are like, I am drink this juice and I am your supreme leader. I exactly. am the person that knows best, knows everything. I was just reading recently. There's only 40, 41. What is it? 41 percent. Yeah. 41 percent of millennials don't know uh, what Auschwitz was and do not know anything about Holocaust. Right. That's crazy. That is. That, that, that's wild. Right there is just it's an example of what you're just saying. You read the headlines and then you go into this group mind. You don't you you're not doing your own independent research. You're not doing yeah. your own independent thinking. You're absolutely right. You're not. That's great. Okay, we could do this all day. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to do it because I'm going to interview you. That's why you're here. You're here to chat with me yes. about your life and what you got going on because mm-hmm. you being super fancy right now <laughs> in the industry. Um, I'm loving all the stuff that you're doing with mm. the diversity and the inclusion yeah. with the improv. Tell me how that yes. got started. With Preach. Uh, well, with Preach, that started off with TJ Medell and uh, Terrence Carey. Terrence Carey's from Madison, Wisconsin, and TJ's from New Jersey. They both, okay. you know, were here. They did uh, Bob Curry. They went through, like, Second City and everything. But they looked around. They said, I'm tired of, you know, so much of the scene of me having to be the one person of color oh, in every God. one of the these one. teams. The one. I be seeing myself in pictures like, oh, look at me being yes. the one. Yes, you were. Yes, you were. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely you know but you held it down and you it's something like you know adrian brown like something that she said she was like you just keep on writing you just keep on writing for yourself and for for your people and stuff yeah. and then you put up your stories you put up mm-hmm. your voice you don't yeah. cater it to nobody and i love yeah. that but that's what they did tj he had he's been um he's like toured throughout the country mm-hmm. in spoken word and like his mentors are people that have been on deaf poetry jam oh, wow. like he him coming out of jersey with that like poetry what is his foundation so for them to come up with preach, it was uh, it's a form of activism. Yeah, you know, it's not t- it's taking improv away from we're in a scene and we're uh, we're talking about dildos or talking about dicks or whatever, or we're talk or or if like one person of color is in that scene, we're arresting them or we have to play the police in the scene and right. all that shit. Where we're not going into any fantasy or going into any other world or being able to transform on stage. That's the thing that preach does. Preach is fast paced spoken word improv. We get a suggestion of uh 
uh, what's something that's been uplifting you? If you say your family right then on the spot, you're going to see an improvised poem about somebody in our family, some way that we consider what we consider to be family, all of that. And um, it's just very fast paced, in your face and we don't hold any punches. How did you get involved? I got involved. I did. Uh, TJ was hosting the revival hour at the at, uh, revival theater on the south side on 55th and. Um, I did stand up there for the revival hour. And the thing that I loved about what TJ was doing is that TJ always, wherever the hell I saw him, north side, south side, he, he teaches, he also teaches at DuSable. He teaches um, oh, wow. kids improv. Yeah. And he would take his after school matter students everywhere he went. He made sure they're writing on a daily basis and he would put them up in the revival hour like every Saturday. Wow. So every so on a regular basis, I was used to seeing these kids from from DuSable go up and like perform scenes. And it was so dope. So then I just asked him, hey, can I get on um, one of the days, do 10 minutes? And he let me do it. And then afterwards he was like, bro, that was dope. You want to come and do preach? Stand up. Yes, I did stand up. Right. Yeah, and then he asked me to 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 do preach with him. So were you stand up before you were improv? I was doing stand. I've been doing stand up since I first started doing stand up when I was nine years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Tell me about that. I started doing stand-up because my house burned down when I was seven. Okay. And uh, shoot, right after that, like, we moved into, like, motels and stuff. And I was like, I need to write some, <laughs> write some jokes. You know what really? I mean? Really? Yeah, it was just a wild time. I mean, like, it was, I was, well, how old was I? I was, like, I was six years old when my house burned down. I remember it very vividly because so I was wait, at my wait, aunt's wait. house. You, you decided that you were going to be funny and write jokes about the fact that you was dealing with this yes. tragedy. Yes. That's very interesting. Yeah. It was just it was just a it was an outlet. It was an outlet. So how did your so how did your house burn down? My house burned down because uh it, it for my we had a we used to have a fireplace in our in our house and I guess like we didn't get it expected or something like that. Uh-huh. So we had so um what you call it? we put out the fire and there was like from what the the fire department said is that what happens with old chimneys there can be an ember that could still be inside of the oh, fireplace and relight itself and relight itself and it went up the chimney and then somehow went in got into our attic we, oh. and at that time like our attic was like filled with stuff yeah. it was an old attic kind of storage space exactly exactly oh wow so the whole thing went down lost my dog in it like it was <gasps> no. yeah it was it was really it was really a traumatic time and it was a time where like i i, I don't know i saw my i saw also i saw my parents jump into action but i also saw my parents in a place of having a small child and trying to were you the only child yeah and trying to balance that de- de- that depression and everything but at the same time my aunt who uh has bipolar she's she was diagnosed in 68 so she's had it for 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 many years but this was at a time when she lost her job due due to that like it was a, a point where she was uh where she couldn't work anymore she had um um, whatchamacall, she'd even fell on the job and then she was out of work for a little while and then they cut her. Wow. And then um, uh, she just, she couldn't, you know, she just couldn't keep on paying her rent and everything. So then she moved in with us. So we're like in motels and my aunt is there with us. So it's like wow. me, my my parents, my aunt dealing with, with bipolar uh, and my mom having to help her with that at the same, you know. Uh, it was just a lot. It was that a lot. Sounds like, like how, so how many years did that last where you guys were in hotels? Uh, at least year year and a half and then we moved back into the house but the crazy thing is we moved back into the house after a year year and a half because of the fact that the contractors that we had hired to come into the house and do it they were stealing stuff 
So, like, my dad had, like, tools or had other things that he had salvaged from the fire that he had stored in the basement. And they were stealing things. And they kept, they also didn't keep the house boarded up well. So we would come back sometimes just to check on the house. And there'd be, like, squatters there and and stuff like that. Yeah. So it was just becoming a thing where it was, like, in total disarray. And then my dad was like, we got to cut them. And then, like, we moved in basically, like, a half-finished house. Wow. Yeah. Man. Man, that's crazy. So you were about yeah. nine when that happened and you started stand-up? I was about six when that's, that, that happened. And then probably around like eight, I started writing jokes. Nine was when I had my first show. Wow. Yeah, and nine was when I performed first time. Two, what was that, 2002, performed at my... Uh, oh, no, actually, I was eight at that time because I was August. That's right. I was So I was eight. I was performed at my um, grandfather's birthday party. Your grandfather's mm-hmm. birthday party. That is so And that so was so cute. great. I did Sammy Davis Jr. impressions. <laughs> told jokes about how Michael Jackson gets pulled over for being black and white at the same time. It That's was great. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. That's so cute. So you never had another sibling? No, I never had another sibling. Never had another sibling unless... I mean... Yeah, never had another sibling. Another sibling. I mean, you never had a sibling. I guess that was kind of weird of a question. Yes, no. Uh, my cousin is kind of like my sibling because my mom uh, adopted her uh, when she was, you know, when she was a kid. But she's how much older than me? She's about 25 years older than me. So she oh, had wow. moved out when I was little. Yeah. Yeah, she was still living there when I was born. Wow, that is interesting. So where are, your, where are you from originally? From the south side of Chicago. You was born mm-hmm. and raised on the south side? Born and raised on the south side. Mm-hmm. What school did you go to? I went to Hales Franciscan first for uh, for high school, first two years, and then I went to King College Prep. Wow. Mm-hmm. Did you go to college? Yeah, I went to UIC. You did? Mm-hmm. Nice. What did you yep. study in college? Theater. Theater? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yep. You feel pretty good about it? Yeah, well, that, that place, it's it wasn't, it wasn't, I, in my opinion, I feel like it really, that theater department is not for, like, that school is more for engineering and for, like, okay. medical. But okay. it's not really for theater. Good theater program in terms of the people that come in there are hungry to act, but we're in a basement sharing it with, like, the music department. Yeah. So, like, every room oh. that you went into had, like, a grand piano. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> weird. It's very weird. Yeah. Very, very weird. See, most people, when I ask them about their college and they say they went to theater, like, they boast automatically. DePaul? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I just knew you was about to. <laughs> no, like a- Asia went to DePaul. So she's got, you know, oh, she's got wow. the stories of like, you know, going there and seeing Terrell McCraney coming through and seeing all of these actors that have come through and directors and stuff. So she she had a totally different experience. Like mine was like, man, we were just lucky to have, you know, certain certain classes and stuff. You know, is theater what you want to do or do you want to transition more into like film and TV at some point? Uh, film and TV is something that really, really holds my attention. Yeah. It really does. Uh, I love theater love theater it's it's i think it's always because i've always been very conscious i've always been black very black conscious so then it's like a thing where i'm always looking at this shit like well i'm not gonna change my voice Mm -hmm. for nobody so i gotta find ways just like we preach we gotta find ways of where we create these safe spaces and create the stuff where we're helping to produce each other's stuff we're able to help each other you know direct do all that kind of stuff you know what i mean what is something to date that you've done that's pushing you in that direction like what is that a big thing that you feel um Definitely preach. I directed a play called Thoughts of a Color Man. Uh, was that two years ago that my friend wrote that oh, uh, nice. now Tay Diggs is directing it um, oh, nice. off Broadway in New York. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's pretty dope. Yeah. So you date in the industry, which is abnormal. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people say that when they get with somebody and it's, it's just a lot of conflict, but you guys are just adorable. Mm. You guys, you and Asia are, did you meet? Thank you. Uh, yes, we, we met at Acting in, Studio Chicago. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was our senior year. The owner of it Obviously just introduced you met. Us. I said, did you meet? I was trying yes. to get through the rest of the yes. question. So. You're like, yeah, we met there. Yes. <laughs> so you met in 
in the industry. Yes, we did. Yeah, but we were like in college and then like it was crazy because we met and then I was like we just we I could tell that we had attraction towards each other. Mm -hmm. And then like every single day, like Kelly, I would I'd come back to class. I would take a shower every day. (laughs) I'd make sure my hair was together. I'd make sure my clothes together and stuff. And I never saw her throughout that whole entire semester my last senior, my senior year, last semester, and then we got cast fall of 2015 uh, to be girlfriend and boyfriend in a play. Is and that where it started? Yes. The girl and boyfriend. Yes. yes. That is so. That is some Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> well, no, because you guys, that you know, we I don't know die. why we reference that in love. When we think, you think about it, and social tra- tragedy. So like, tragic. So tragic. Um, that is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then you guys are both really doing well. Like yes. I mean, Asia was just on a showcase with me. Yes. Yes. Doing stand-up. And she has a play coming to the Kennedy Center in nice. June. Nice. Yep. That is amazing. Yep, that she wrote. Yep. Do you guys plan to move out of Chicago? Uh, I don't know. We, it, it's I, I'm in that place of, like, where if something takes me to New York or takes me to L.A. or takes me, Atlanta, takes me anywhere, that's what I want to do. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I have plenty of friends that live in... LA and live in New York and they got six jobs and they still sleeping in the kitchen. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm like, man, um, I, you know, I, I want the hustle to take me. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to go someplace and be and allow, uh, not allow, but for myself to have to pull myself out of like, just hypothetically, pull myself out of like a depression yeah. of like, I need to just work. I need to survive. And how am I going to perform? And then one start, you know, start. I need money. So the money becomes the win, win over the art. Yeah. I don't want that. I don't want to ever be in that place where it's like, you know, at least here I feel like I know enough people and I feel like I know how to navigate mm-hmm. the city. You know what I mean? Um, I love New York. I, I think that we would move someplace if, we, if, if, if it calls us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like, like with me, I'm, I lived in L.A., Mm-hmm. You know, that's right. Yes. Yeah. I lived in L.A. for two years and I didn't really do anything that I wanted to do. <laughs> you wow. know what I mean? Because moving from, and maybe this was just me. I was so young and I yes. had a young child, but it was like it was nice there. You know what I'm saying? It of was course. it was freaking 80 degrees on it's Christmas. Beautiful. Yes. Like, I walked out my door to 80 degrees. <laughs> I didn't do anything with comedy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Nothing at all. Nothing with comedy. I ended up doing something with comedy the last Four months that I was there. Okay. And then I moved back to Chicago in order to start my wow. comedy career seriously. Wow. That's when I was like, oh, if I'm going to do this, I need to go back home to do it. Okay. Because Chicago is a city that I feel like in L.A., if you start your stand-up career in L.A., mm-hmm. it's very watered down. Yes. You know, it's, it's yes. like, oh, I'm trying to appease the crowd, and it might be a director here. Exactly. So look at me do this. And... Then, too, it's just very superficial. Totally superficial. I don't feel any culture there in my mind. I don't want to say that for the entire L.A. Just specifically when I was there during Mm -hmm. that stand-up scene, I felt like it was very superficial and just not... I don't know. I just felt like Chicago would give me a better... Of course. You know, Was this short short hair blonde, Kelly? No, 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 no. This was before any of that. This was before... This was in 2006. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this is when I was just like ponytail to the back kelly like super regular <laughs> kelly like i had no <laughs> instantly when you said ponytail to the back i thought of double dutch for some reason yes. i was like i was like it's that chill yes it was double dutch kelly <laughs> like i was so young and i just didn't have an idea of what my look was true i uh, i would get my hair pressed but yeah i was still super basic at the end of the day uh but people grow people yes. grow now you got the locks and everything you know what i'm saying 
Yes. You see me. So do you find yourself dealing with, I know you mentioned depression a mm-hmm. little bit. Uh, do you find yourself dealing with artistic depression? Like were you? Absolutely. Well, just d- depression. You like, said it ain't got shit to do with No, no. Definitely. 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 Some of that stuff is still, um, some of that stuff is still old wounds or still old uh, or still stuff that I think because I'm 24, it's like stuff where I'm, where sometimes I'm scared if like, now I notice that you're how old? Twenty four. What? Mm-hmm. I did not know you were that young. Yeah, mm-hmm. twenty four. You know, I feel like I feel like I am aging every time I no. have somebody on a podcast because I'll be talking to them and I'll be like, yeah, and they're like, I'm twenty two. I'm like, bitch, what? Get out of my studio. Get out my fucking studio. That is that is beautiful. Youth, you. young youth with such a powerful uh, desire for for change. That is mm-hmm. amazing. Yes. So, but yeah, go back to what you were saying. Oh no, I was just I was just saying like sometimes because I've dealt with so much anxiety and depression when I was younger, sometimes like if I deal if I feel it coming on now or it take overwhelms me, I get very scared of that because of the fact that I'm like I I want to change. You know what yeah. I mean? And and I don't know. It's it's like of course when you're younger you're like if you're going through some shit, you're like this is it. This is this is this is there is no out there is no out and then <laughs> yeah. and then it's like when you get older you're like oh wow i see that i got to that other side yeah. you know what i mean like there's a line um the morgan freeman you ever seen shawshank redemption i have okay so i love that scene where um that's Tim, one of the movies where no matter if what time if when it comes talk on, about it yes it be dead smack in the middle of the damn movie yes. it could be at the end you're gonna watch it you're gonna watch, you're gonna watch it, it to the and end. you will cry yeah <laughs> you will cry <laughs> For real, you know, but I, I love when Tim Robbins is like crawling through the sewage system and then Morgan Freeman says, uh, what's he say? He says, Andy Dufresne crawled through 300 yards of shit to come out clean on the other side. That is such a cold blooded ass way of putting it. That's like black people and just in every just in my mind. I just I just see that as like like just. Res- resilience. The you fact know that I mean? you sounded just like that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about that. Thank you. But yeah, it's just that you know. Hilarious. But that's how I look at but it. Yeah, you know? that is beautiful. That's true. You know, and sometimes like I'm just like, man, I don't want, I don't want to be depressed. You know what I mean? I don't want to have like, cause, cause when my house burned down, and all that stuff was going on. I was still, I was a kid in public schools in the city, having to fight, having to go through bullying, mm-hmm. having to go through the peer pressures of, you know, uh, of gangs in my school, of all that. Like, all of that shit is going on at the same time as shit at home is going on. So then it's, and I know, and now looking back on it, I know that there's a lot of kids that are going through that same, similar mm-hmm. stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? There's so much of that. There's no kid that's bullying or talking about any kid at school that's, not go nine times out of ten you're going through some shit at the crib too yeah. you know what i mean or somebody's wrong something's going on mm-hmm. so it just it's just something where it does it, it sometimes frightens me because it's like i want to keep on pushing i want to keep on pushing i don't i don't want that to overtake me but i think as i'm getting older i see that more and more people are, are going through it i'm so happy that celebrities and athletes and stuff are talking about it i love that like Dwayne the rock johnson talks about how he's been dealing with depression for most of for majority of his life and like a lot of these ways that he's like him being on time his workout his all these kind of ritualistic things he has is a way of pushing against that you know that is so true and so real and i feel like everyone deals with it on yes. some level. Some people have it at the one level and then some people have it at the 10 where it's super extreme yes. for them. Yes. But I don't think that there is any one person out here that is void of it. If you are within your right space, like your right mind, it could be maybe some kids that suffer from like autism or different things where they just their mind doesn't work that way. Yes. But for people that are of their right mind, I feel like everybody 
deals with it. That's right. And like you said, you have to figure. I was literally on my way here. I was just thinking to myself, like, you know, I'm. I'm I'm constantly motivating myself. I'm constantly doing affirmations. And I was saying, like, Kelly, you know, why? Why are you doing all this? Like, what, mm-hmm. you know, where is it going to land you, you know? And then that thought comes, and I immediately combat that thought with, we're just doing what we do. You know, we're just, yes. we're just getting through it. We're just going forward. Because when I find myself thinking about what's the point, then I zero down. I, I start to tunnel down into, like, this spiral of like there is no point and you've been through so much and nobody cares and why are you trying to tell your story it doesn't really matter and yeah you've been yeah. through this and so what and but and i started you know exactly coming, and it's like all these different voices and shit trying to tell me that it doesn't matter yes and then but i've gotten really good at like i said affirmations and um just reminding myself that I'm enough and I matter. And yeah, I have been through a lot and that is powerful. And I have grit because I keep going and I keep fighting and I don't stop and I don't care what other people think. And just reminding myself of that also combats the depression because it's so easy to like slide into one of those zones of just like, I'm not enough. And what is the point of all of this? And why am I doing it? And nobody comes, nobody that comes from where I'm from does this. And that's right. You know, it's just, it's crazy. You don't feel the sun on your face anymore. Yeah. It is a wild feeling. It's it's crazy. But I think everybody deals with it on some level and you got to find your system. You know, you do. My system. I figured it out when it comes to waking up, I wake up, I meditate, I write. That happens in that order. Like I wake up, I meditate, I write. And now for the last two weeks, I wrote down, I wrote like a letter to myself (laughs) and I was like really descriptive in what I want to see in the next, however it takes the universe to bring it to me, whatever. But I I really was descriptive of what I want to see out of my life. And I read that now every morning, right before meditation. Mm. So I read that letter to myself three times. Then I meditate. Yes. Then I write. Yes. And I've noticed in the last week of me doing it that way, I feel so, I've been meditating for 600 and something days now mm-hmm. you know straight and yes. writing for about the same time but now that i'm like reading that letter and i'm meditating and i'm writing it almost feels like i give myself an intention for all of this totally like i'm reading this and my intention is to you know embody what i've written in this letter to you reassure really feel yourself. it to yes. really know that this i'm enough and this Absolutely. matters and this is these are good things and yes i will go on to have books that sell yes. well and stuff like yes. that because i have a story that needs to be told you know exactly it's just like really embodying that i think helps too because like you said if you don't have a, a routine or a system it's so easy to like fall into totally. these traps that's set for you you know totally. but if you got a routine you step right over it, like oh that ain't part of my routine that's right you know what I mean? that's right <laughs> you really Absolutely. gotta have that mentality yes so it seems like you read a lot of books and stuff yeah. about that kind of stuff mm-hmm. yeah Absolutely. what is your favorite book uh my favorite book oh man that's hard I think my favorite, well, two of my favorite books are like, are Things Fall Apart. I can never pronounce the the brother's, the African uh, author's name, Chuanwa Akabe or something like that. Uh And then there's also, what's his name, Ishmael Bay's book, uh, Life of a Boy Soldier. Mm-hmm. Which is dope. Like all of those are just like the the those two are just about like resilience and dealing with like war and de- and being a child dealing with all of the depression and all the stuff being thrust into adulthood. And that's something I see with a lot of young, a lot of young, especially a lot of young folks of color. It's like where you're seeing you're seeing a president that does not care about you and and 
call and it feels like you shouldn't even you shouldn't really matter you yeah. you see that the police don't care about you you're going into a world where your parents are saying you need to watch out you need to talk to the police this kind of way you need to conduct yourself this kind of way you're being thrust into adulthood at an early age doesn't even matter if like you have a sense of innocence at an early age if you're kind of if you're not able if you're going into this world and you look over like that was a, a wake-up call for me when I was in college and I'm walking around it's all white kids in my in my theater class and all of them could have a care free nature yeah. of going about them where there is not this mental this dialogue that's continuously going on about their worth ex- their worth exactly yeah. and they're not asked and they're and nobody and nobody asked them to prove shit that say oh i'm white or i'm irish or i'm this or i have to explain this or you know or nobody had they never have to tell anybody not to touch them in yeah. a certain way or anything like that like in the way that we, well, we don't know be, that exclusively not right? you know what i'm trying yeah. to say but but you understand what i mean in terms of like just like you as a black woman like you have there could be people who see you on stage and then they'll come up and just think they if you told a joke about your hair or if you it's reference okay anything hair, it's just yeah. to, right, fine to touch touch your hair or yeah. to comment on something that that was in your set and stuff because it's still this thing of where we are just I don't know how to we're I don't know like it's almost like we're I don't know like just a thing or just like a a prop or something you know what I mean so that yeah that and then also a lot of James Baldwin James Baldwin inspires me a lot yeah that's amazing Mm -hmm. yeah let me ask you a quick question do you ever talk do you ever go and speak to like young girls like teenagers or like girls like younger than that and stuff um i have done that that. okay yeah i have talked to some teenagers and did some things at different schools i mainly do my workshop be less petty which is just teaching you how to be less petty with your space time and energy you know and yourself mainly and that is really not towards young girls as Mm -hmm. much as it is towards young black women like and not even young black women um specifically like young women in general young people in general actually it's not even let me take all that off the table it's not about any particular person it's about people being less petty with their time space and energy just Mm -hmm. in general you know and we tend to take ourselves for granted and we put everything else in front of what we need and we don't take that time in the morning to meditate to work out to read and to write and to really just prepare ourselves for the day that's going to come and that's really what that whole Be Less Petty is about. It's about finding the tools that work for you, not using my tools that I introduced to mm. you, but finding the ones that best suit your life. Some people might wake up and go for a three-mile run, and that's their way of me- being meditative, yes. and that's perfectly yes. fine. Some people may get up and, you know, um, use a whole system, a whole, you know, shrine or something they've set up, and yes. they might sit there and meditate for hours at a time. You know, I don't do that. I have a very you know, loose way of doing it. You know, mm-hmm. I might sit on a bed and meditate. I might sit on my stool and meditate. You know, I might, uh, I don't know, lay down sometimes and put a pillow under my leg. And yes. it's, it's no right way for me. So I try to I teach that. that people have to find their own way. Yes. Um, and I also try to teach it to women who think that they're too old that, you know, cause once you get a certain age, you start feeling like, you know what? What I've done or what I'm doing is who I am. Mm. And and it's just what it is. And that's easy to 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 become because out of habit. You know, out of habit, it's just our life is full of habits, right? Mm-hmm. The way you brush your teeth in the morning is a habit. Like all of the all of these things, the way you tie your shoes is a habit. Totally. You know, all of this stuff is habits. Yes. So it's about releasing those habits that don't serve us. It's about letting those go and retraining your mind to think 
other thoughts like me, right? Writing out my affirmations. That's not something I did five years ago. Now it's something I've been doing for, you know, over a year now, you know, writing my thank And you've yous. noticed that change. Yeah. Writing my gratitude journal every day is not something that I've done. But now I've went through three and four journals and I'm like, you know, wow. and now it's just what I do. And so it's about retraining those habits that don't serve you. And I want more so my middle aged women, you know, 30 years up to know that you don't have to settle for the life you've been given or the mm. life you think is is one you chose necessarily. If you're not satisfied satisfied with it then it's not the life you chose yeah and and if that's the case well i'm not gonna say it's not the life you chose it is but it can be changed you know and so that's the the message i try to push and i don't teach it as much for young students as i try to for women that are like 26 and older okay you know like i 30 30 and older is really what i would like to say but i definitely will i've done colleges with this workshop before yes i've toured and taught it for large audiences before so i know that you know, there are some 20-somethings in there, but I would prefer to do 30 or older. Because every, everybody needs to hear your Everybody hear your needs story. it. Everybody yes. needs to hear. No, not, I thought you meant everybody needs. Not everybody oh, needs. I was no. like, everybody, every, yes, everybody needs to hear my fucking story. <laughs> everybody in the world. No, but like, you know, know, know that they're not alone. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and, exactly. your, and your workshop. But I'm just saying just, you know, just the way that you are uh, as a person is just that it's, it's not coming from like a... a you know, I guess the only way that I can compare it is not coming from like this Joe Lowstein place. If I'm smiling in your face and I'm also taking your money while you're not paying attention, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not that. It's actually like I'm really helping. It's I'm not really egotistical mentoring. at all. No. It's not egotistical. It's definitely rooted in my journey, my story, and just feeling like there's people out here that can also understand they've been through pain and how do they overcome yes. it? How do they deal yes. with it? Because I think we get lost in our pain sometimes. I know for a long time I totally. would get wrapped up in the fact that I had lost children or the fact that I had waited so long to explore comedy and, you know, I'm not as good as these people because mm. I've had these struggles that limited me from being yeah, able to focus. Yeah, yes. And I didn't finish school and that must mean something about me too because I had drama and I didn't have family family members that finish school so that must mean that it's not you know what i'm saying like you exactly. come up with all these ideas of why something shouldn't go right but totally i've gotten in the habit of coming up with all these ideas of how shit should go right you know what i'm saying yes. like yes. that's kind of how i've retrained my mind to think is like well if i can also think about how fucked up something is i can also think about how great something is and so I even that. even earlier um this week i was just kind of like meditating on a magazine cover and it like having my face and saying, you know, woman after overcoming such loss, the powerhouse boss, like these yes, different yes. things that would be around my name or around my face on these magazines. Because I mean, honestly, yeah, I've been through a lot and it's taken me some time to understand how to articulate that and to overcome the pain in a place where I can be good with it. Mm -hmm. You know, cause if you're still in it, it's kind of hard to work with. Like people, I think what happens is we try to jump out there too soon before we've really healed ourselves. Yes. And then we get caught up in it. And and now we got the pain of what we're going through. And then all these other factors that are trying to pull us in, in every which way direction. And that can become a, a huge layer of insecurity. Would you Would you say that there's also a lot of people who they go through the trauma and then they just push through it, but then they don't, they didn't. Uh, I don't know lack of lack of words like they don't didn't settle settle what that was or get to absolutely a, that's what know? that's exactly what I'm saying like they just what happens is people take 
like me, when when heaven passed away, I immediately went back to work. Heaven passed mm. away in February of 2012. I was sitting in my mom's, um, I was literally sitting in my mom's living room doing an interview for the OWN Network or producers that was trying to pitch something to the OWN Network m- the end of March. Wow. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're talking about not even a whole month having just lost a child that I went through a traumatic 15 months with, you know, and then now a month later, I'm trying to tell somebody about it. Yeah. Like, what the fuck am I going to say? I'm hurting and this is fucked up. And I still had a very skewed way of looking at it. I wasn't far enough removed from the situation to be able to reflect and have that hindsight 2020 Mm. that I needed. You know, I was still like in it. Like I was still mad at God. This was the second child I lost. I was pissed at God. Like what is happening? What is the point of sending me down this road of delivering a child if you're just going to take it? You know, Mm. it was a lot of anger there. It was um, it was a lot of anger towards the fathers of the children. You know, it was. It was not settled at all, which means that in no way, shape, or form should I be trying to tell this or articulate this to a mass audience. No. Like, <laughs> in no way. <laughs> no. Because everything I would say would probably change in a few years, and now i got to come back and say, oh, you know that thing I had said about that thing I had went through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, nah, that's a little different now, you know, because I've been meditating and shit. <laughs> so, uh, you know what I mean? Like, like what the fuck? Who needs to? <laughs> it just, yeah. So... I think it does need to settle. You do need to deal with it and yourself. Mm. You need to deal with yourself. You need to deal with how you feel about it, not how other people think you should feel about it. Cause see one thing that I've noticed too, is I have a different emotion and I, I say this in my book. So I'm kind of giving y'all a little, a little peek, but I say this in my book where I don't feel the way I feel. I'm supposed to feel about the loss of a child. You have people that are like, oh my God, that is so devastating. Mm -hmm. And I feel like heaven's only purpose of life was to bring me and Mike together. I would have never dated Mike had I not been going through what I was going through because I was very shallow minded. Mm -hmm. I had listened to my parents growing up. It was, if you ain't, you ain't black, you whack type of attitude. I would have never dated outside of my race. I would have never been open to a different option. Had I not just went through such a traumatic relationship with her father. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And yes. that wasn't the reason like, oh, I'm 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 black men piss me off. I'm out. Of course. It was never that. It was just I was open. Yes. I was open to options at that point. I was open to seeing things differently than how Kelly had always seen them because wow. obviously the way Kelly had always seen them was not the right way or mm-hmm. was not the way that was working for me. Absolutely. You know, I was still combating depression. I was still combating all these other layers that were there when I did have a certain mentality. So why not try to change it? And so heaven being born and me going through what I was going through at the time and him being that shoulder to rest on and him being that security changed how I looked at my expectation of people, especially my expectation of men, because I wasn't raised him. My father was there. He was present, but distant. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And so that is different when you have a father that is supposed to be in the household, but you rarely ever see him. And then I grow. And then by the time I moved with my mom, I didn't see my dad at all. Then I would Mm. see him every now and then, but I didn't really see him, you know. So I had a very skewed mentality about a lot of things. And heaven in that 15 months or the first 10 months, really, of being in that hospital with those beeping sounds of that damn pressure cooker is what I call it. (laughs) Yes. You know, and all these different um, things that were going on around me. I had a lot of sit and think time. 
I had a lot of sit and think time where I was in those rooms by myself. Wasn't nobody there but me, heaven, the sounds of the machines, and potentially the TV. Mm. You know, that's it. That's what I had. And because I had to think and go through that and think and really face myself, I feel like it made me into the woman I am today. It made me such a better person. And I would not have gotten, I don't care, I could have went into a car accident and 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 broke the, my body from the neck down and had to go through three years worth of healing and would not have came out the way I came out with heaven. Wow. Reason being is because it wasn't about me. It forced me to be selfless. It wasn't about me. None of that was about me. And I didn't want to have her. I didn't want to have her. I told him mm-hmm. that I didn't want to have her. And he told me that, what kind of Christian do you think you are? Wow. He like shitted on me. He made wow. me feel bad about it. And I and I was not in the place where I had the security as a woman where I could say, whoop, I guess I'm the Christian that's having abortions because I'm not having this baby. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. in that place of space in mind where I could have made a decision like that. Yes. I was like, well, what does this mean about me then? And it, and I judged myself harshly for it and end up having a baby that I thought I didn't want until she was born, you know, and I went through that whole, and actually I don't want to say that because at about month five, I came back from Korea and was like, all right, I'm having a baby. I can't be touring doing shows. What were you shows. doing in Korea? I was doing stand-up oh, okay. for two weeks for the uh, troops. And I was like, you know what? I'm finna have this baby. This is a real thing. I need to take care of myself. I need to be healthy. I went to the doctor. She told me that I could still work out because I was a very active work, you know, person that worked out. And I just started going to the gym. I started really taking care of myself, eating well. And um, and when I ended up having her and she was going through all of these health conditions, it was crazy because her father had the nerve. He saw me at the gym. One time he had the nerve to say, you're the reason she's like this. Like shit like that is what I was going through during this whole transition. It was insane. That is insane. But I had to get away from it. I had to. And I'm saying all this to say after she passed away, I had to get away from it. I had Mm -hmm. to get years into it. And I don't want to say years, but I definitely had to dig into the thought processes of what was going on. And I had to reflect and pay attention to what I'd learned during that time frame. You know, and that's how I knew to me. And maybe this is just me justifying her death, but she was never meant to live. Mm. And if she was, she'd be here. Of you course. know what I'm saying? Yes. She wasn't meant to live. But she, she taught was you meant, so much. She was meant to come and teach me something that I was meant to know, that I need to know for where this journey is taking me, you know, that I would not have gotten from any other form wow. without having to love somebody outside of myself. And and I and I basically gave my all, my all, my time, my space. I was driving, you know, from Indianapolis. Um, I would drive up there. On Sunday night after a show, Mm -hmm. stay up there all week at the Ronald McDonald house and then drive back to Chicago to do shows on Friday. Like this was my life for 10 months. Wow. You know what I mean? Like every weekend, that's what I did. It's crazy, but it was meant to teach me something that I wouldn't have learned any other way. And that's incredible, that transition, because there's at least least 10 things that I hear that, that, of course, more that changed mm-hmm. that you saw alter from that time after that 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 yeah. is wild it seems like a totally different uh it seems like a totally different kelly like you know you're actually seeing it's just the oh evolution is is crazy oh my god you know? i used to strip right mm-hmm. low key don't <laughs> ain't low key everybody on this podcast just heard it yes <laughs> like i used to strip low key <laughs> how long i did uh, it wasn't for a long time like three months oh okay yeah it was, that was very low key it's yes. very short time yeah but 
when my sister like brings it up around people, they be like, "Get the fuck out!" No, not. And then one of her friends was like, "Not evangelistic, Kelly." <laughs> and it's funny because I don't have, and I'm not saying that strippers have a certain characteristic. It's just the the mentality that I had back then mm-hmm. was a very like it wasn't like a. I guess I was kind of like Cardi B ish to an extent, like okay. very like you know fuck. Fuck the world, kind of yes. like attitude. Was this coming out of high school? I had a yes. Oh my okay. god, I came shit. I was going into high school. You oh, know I stopped smoking weed at thirteen. Like that's the kind of life that I've lived. You yes. know what I mean? So yes. it, it was in high school. It was out of high school. It was in the military. It wow. was. I had a very um, skewed way, and I don't want to call it skewed because it was my reality. It was what I had lived. Yeah, yeah. I had a very limited way. It was definitely a limited way of thinking, and I needed to expose myself to the depths of my soul and mm-hmm. that came from meditation that came from me stopping stopping to think which to is have time with about. yourself have quiet time with yourself exactly have quiet time with yourself and think really question and when i say think i don't mean sit and ponder on the same thought <laughs> exactly because people can mistake that as like oh well thinking ain't meditating you know it's a different it's different variations it to is. that but when i mean think i mean question totally my current thoughts totally question them don't let them don't let them be gold don't let them come in my mind yes. and be like oh god sent me this message yes like that's not how you know what i mean this, i changed my mentality by questioning well is this valid how is this mm-hmm. is this real is this you know why do i think that well wow. where did that thought come from well you know and i started doing that and i mean you know the rest is history yeah real talk so but oh my god we've talked about me for a long time Right now, I don't mind. Don't be asking me questions like okay, that because I, I will get into my story. <laughs> Hold on, real so quick. Deep. What was your stripper name? Did what? you have a different stripper name? Oh my God, Candy. Okay, so you deserve to only be working for three months, okay? Because <laughs> it's it's at least seventy five, eighty five percent of every stripper's name is Candy. That's the intro name. That's that is, intro that makes name. sense. That's the intro yeah, name. Yeah, that's the intro name. And then you get a specific you, kind of Candy. You get, you get, you know what I'm talking about. You get about? now later. Then you, you get, like, oh shit, you better call me Eminem. You know yes. what I'm talking about. Yes, <laughs> I love that. I love yes, that. I was. It was candy. Oh, but mine was different. It was with an eye and a heart on top. Uh, like all the other eighty percent of the motherfuckers of <laughs> that course, think they different. Of course. <laughs> wow. I know, right? So That's ridiculous. hilarious. It was. It was for terrible. everybody to know. Know that you were coming out of high or in high school, or whatever, with the heart over the the eye. Heart that is over great. the eye. You know, that and I great. really stopped stripping um well for one i got pregnant with my daughter that okay was one i was pregnant and then two uh so my feet was hurting like a mother like <laughs> it was course, pregnant yes. strippers up in there but i couldn't do it Oof. i was like bitch i can't like my feet hurt already i was like unless i could wear flats i'm yes. not doing this shit yes uh and then two i was concerned <laughs> about my father coming in there because it was right next to a truck stop. Oh, ooh, ooh. and so he drove trucks. Oh, okay. And I was like, that's the last thing a I need. A lot of them are near truck stops. Yes, I, I was like, that's that. the last thing I need is for my daddy to walk up in here and see me on this fucking stage. Like, that's the last thing I need. Right. I now. want that. Per- I really. It's so funny because I want to. I, I hope that you one day have a story where it's like you're on stage and then, of course, you you murdered it and then you come off stage and then somebody's like, man, I loved your set. <laughs> but I also saw you back in the day, Candy. Back in the day, Candy. <laughs> I'm happy to see you back doing well. Day, <laughs> I saw you back in the day, Candy. Oh, my God. Yes. So I was like, I need to stop this because my dad, man. Yeah. Then I was thinking, I was thinking too, that one of his friends would be like, 
man, this is one chick down and she bad. Oh. Hell. Her name Candy. You got to come see her with me. And then she, he get in there and he see her and be oh. like, that's my daughter. I be like, oh. <laughs> I be like, oh, so now you see me, daddy, huh? Yes. Now you see me. <laughs> he go, I'm going to get a call about that comment. Yes. All right. Uh, so <laughs> with that being said, mm-hmm. I want to wrap up with you real quick. Yes. I do this thing called four and four, which is four questions in four minutes. Okay. And it's like, that's really a long time, I think. I need to do four and two because <laughs> people still be having time left over on the clock when I do that. And so I need to I need to do a different time. You know what? I'm going to start with you. I'm going to call it four and three. Okay. Mm, we're going to do three minutes. Okay. All right. If you could have a superpower, what would it be and why? Superpower. If Any I could have superpower. a superpower. It could even be from Wakanda. Okay. I like that. If I could have a superpower, I know exactly what my superpower would be. My superpower would be because of the fact that like I would love to figure out, I would love to figure out how could we take how could how could everybody be sheltered and like have like a home and all that stuff like that, running water and everything. But I know it's it's crazy because it's like one of those things where we're numb to it. We realize that people are always gonna be it almost seems like people are almost gonna be homeless. I don't know how to figure that out right now, but I would love it if like I could somehow, some way, just give these people just constantly. You get water, you get food, you have some fire. That would fire. be super. That would be my superpower. Like where I could literally. You remember Robert Towns, like Meteor Man, where he's like he just like put out his hand and then there was like cabbage and like oh, tomatoes yeah, and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I would love that. Like okay. I could just give you a garden. I could just give you food. Just like boom, I could snap my fingers. You have water. You have clothes. Stuff like that. Because especially since it's in April and it still could be below freezing. G, no, no, I need to help homeless folks. Like whenever I see homeless people out there in the dead of winter, I'm like, this is crazy. I'm going home to Netflix. So I think you, you know? answered my next question, which okay. is if there's any one thing you can do socially for change, what would it be and why? If you could change any one thing in history. Oh, man, that, that, that's something that I'm always thinking about. Easy. Uh, helping black and especially, yeah, black and brown kids have... Innocence. And I will say, especially black kids, because I'm black and just, you know, I see what goes on in my community, have being allowed to have a sense of innocence. innocence. You know what I mean? Not being nine years old and you can't be a kid. Yeah, that's what it, that's what it is. It's like being able to actually have time where you're not an adult. Yeah. You know. All right. If uh, you could have dinner with any person dead or alive, who would it be and why? Ooh, <laughs> bam. Uh, Jimi Hendrix. Mm. Jimi Hendrix. Why? Jimi Hendrix. That's who is the, on these. That's who's on these. Yes. I said Bob Marley. You did. I did. See, that. I be you high get, sometimes. You're getting so your you black me, folks mis, uh, you confused. Me. Yeah, they all Crazy. look alike. See. Oh, God. Crazy. <laughs> and then they would say that about you too. Then somebody that that manager at Starbucks gonna be like, she look like Bob Marley. All black people look alike. Cause she got locks. All black people yes. look alike. All of us. But every uh, last one. Of us. <laughs> for real. For real. <laughs> But, um, yeah, Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix has always been, um, like, an icon to me, always been the person I looked up to. He's a dude that, like, when he was a kid, he would, you know, wear Native American clothing, all that stuff like that. He died too young, died at 27. So he's a dude I would love to learn uh, a lot from because he always believed in, you know, let your freak flag fly high. And just, you know, he was just black and just just beautiful, man. Yeah. <laughs> I see you speeding so you can get that timer. Yes. You already failed it. It's done. Right here. There you go. 
Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I'm gonna ask you a last question anyway, just because I want to know. Okay. Mm, um, if you can go back and tell your 16 year old self, and actually, I'm not gonna make it 16 because you're 24, mm-hmm. right? Which means that was eight years ago. So we're not gonna go. <laughs> that. We're not gonna go wow, back to something you can remember back when. Like, yes. Oh, you mean back last year? Cool, <laughs> yes. Cool, cool. So last year, because see what I learned this year. No. <laughs> so if you could go back mm-hmm. and tell that seven-year-old kid living in a hotel any one thing that they need to know that would make their life better what would you tell them i would tell them that it gets better and that um yeah <laughs> kind of back to that morgan freeman thing you'll you'll come out clean on the other on the other end of this like uh uh and i would definitely tell oh i would definitely tell him make sure to continue writing write just write write Cause you're not alone and uh, people need to, people need to hear your truth. Um, so that, so they know they're not alone. So yeah. continue writing. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Tell us what we can find you at Max. Uh, you can find me definitely at pre uh, preach. That's at IO May 4th, 8 PM every Friday. Uh, there'll be a point if Kelly is a free on a Friday throughout the summer. Yeah, no. <laughs> come I'll through. Hey, Helen, please. <laughs> Uh, where can they find you online? Uh, online, uh, Mad Max, uh, uh, I G uh, M A A D underscore M A A X, and uh, Facebook and well, uh, Twitter is the same thing, Mad Max, and then Facebook is Max Thomas. Nice. Thank you so yes. much for joining me in the studio you. today. I really appreciate it. This was a great conversation. Yes, yes. I learned a little something. Me too. You know, this was amazing. So thank you, thank you so much. Thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate you. You know, I love you to the moon and back. All of my followers, listeners, sharers, all of that. Um, and yeah, check my website for upcoming show dates. Deuces. I want to thank our sponsor, She Funny, a platform created to encourage funny women of color to be empowered in their funny by offering various resources and online visibility. And also our friends here at Cards Against Humanity for their hospitality and donated studio space. I appreciate you both. Sometimes there's just nothing left to say.